Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. What's going down? Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of What's Going Down here on uh, itrwrestling.com, wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Kenny McIntosh, I'm joined as always by Mr. Finley Martin. And Finn, I believe we are officially in autumn now, right? Well, it, it bloody feels like it. <laughs> I believe it was like Clash of the Castle. I was, I was, I was like boiling hot at almost every point in that trip. And now I'm sat here just a few weeks later with me fleece on freezing. But I'm not putting that heating on. That heating's not going on till October. Well, I've, I've, I, there's been, I mean, I will say there's been twice so far where I've blasted a wee out of heating here or there, just, just for a wee, a wee zhuzh, But I've not, I've not put a full, not put a full shift on to it. Um, so that, um, that's, that's definitely waiting for the, the dark days of November, December. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, there's lots of wrestling to talk about, Finn. Lots of stuff, and let's kick off with last week's SmackDown and the opening promo, which was just, to me, one of the best promo segments of the year. Um, it's just one of those great segments where everybody played a part so well. We've got Roman Reigns and the bloodline out there, including obviously Sami Zayn. And the whole scenario here was, you know, Heyman's putting over Roman Reigns. Um, 
you know, putting over Solosakoa, putting over the Usos. And then as they're going to leave, um, uh, Sami Zayn in- interrupts and he wants to thank the bloodline for taking him in, even though he's not blood family. Um, so Roman takes the microphone and says, you know, Sammy, why are you, why are you talking right now? Why are you, why are you saying anything? Right and why are you wearing that shirt? You should take the shirt off. And, you know, it's all as if it's going to lead to Roman Reigns and the bloodline turning on him. But Roman said, we've got you a new shirt. And they handed him a new shirt, which said, which had a big S, Z or Z, uh, honorary And um, everyone's reaction, you know, Roman's got a big smile, Heyman's smiling, Jimmy Uso and Solo and Jay Uso is staring a hole through Sami Zayn the entire time. Um, it was just a fantastic opening segment. Fan. It's, I mean, it was a tour de force. It was outstanding, as they say. I mean, I like the way they all came out, and it's all it's all just so deliberate. Nothing's rushed. And, like, Roman Reigns just takes his time. And the audience enjoys that he takes his time getting to the point where he demands that Salt Lake City acknowledge him. Um, so that was really fun. And Paul Heyman was there saying that, you know, he'd been off. He'd obviously taken the F5 onto the table from Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. He disappeared for many, many weeks. Uh, and in his absence, it was the elders that had uh, summoned Solo Sokoa from NXT and installed him in the bloodline. Um, and then Rain said, to uh, Solo Sokoa, I need you to acknowledge me. And Sokoa did so. Reigns hugged him. And it just, as you say, then it just, at that point, it felt like the segment was over. I mean, Sammy's there and everyone's sort of ignoring him. The music played and they all left. And then Zayn, like, takes the mic and starts talking. And Reigns says, you know, I like you, Sammy, but, you know, what do you want from us? And Zane's there and he's looking really nervous. It's like, you know, where's this going? You know, have I overstepped the mark? You know, are they mad with me? You know, are they ribbing me? You know, what's going on here? And then Renz says to Sammy, you take the shirt off. And Sammy didn't want to. So then Renz dispatched Jay to rip the old Bloodline T-shirt off. And Zane's there like, oh, no, this is going to end really badly. And, you know, the look of panic on Sammy Zane's face. I mean, he kind of reminded me a little bit Terry Funk there. But I actually think he did this better than Terry Funk would have done because Zane's sort of like, he's got this real, he's this unnerved guy, isn't he? I mean, Terry Funk always did like the sympathy-seeking babyface act really well, so you felt sorry for him. Uh-huh. Zane's like jittery. He's like really jittery, wasn't he, in this segment? You know, where's it going to go? You, You know... <laughs> Is it fight or flight time? You know, do I do I do a runner now? Should I make a run for it for it now before they beat me down? And then Reigns threw in the the uh, t-shirt with, as you said, S Z at the top, an honorary oos uh, printed in text underneath, and uh, you know Zayn couldn't believe it. He was just so pleased. Then Zayn took Zayn said, "I acknowledge you, Tribal Chief," and he gave Reigns a big hug. I think Zayn may have hugged him for just a little bit too long there, Kenny. <laughs> yeah, this maybe. may be problematic for Sami Zayn in future. Of course, we all know how this is going to end. But, like, there's so many roads for this storyline to travel before we get to that destination, which, of course, will be 
Sami Zayn taking a terrible beating from the bloodline. We know that how that's how it's all going to end. But please, WWE, do not rush this one. Take your time with this one. Like Roman Reigns takes his time before he speaks to the audience. But yeah, it was it was tremendous. And um, not not a whole lot happened here really. But it felt like a lot did. And that was the you know the brilliance of this segment. Not didn't really do much here, but it just felt like you were getting so much entertainment value from this segment. It, yeah, was, it, was, it was really good. And also, I mean, it, it, it's got people talking, you know, could this be a thing where it becomes such a big deal that Sammy even gets like a, you know, a pay-per-view match with Roman? Not a WrestleMania then, but, you know, could it get so big that Sammy gets something bigger out of it? So there, you know, people are clamouring to see Sammy get, get more, whether that ends up in him and Kevin Owens against the Usos down the line or whatever, I think that there's a lot of possibilities. And there, there's a couple of things on SmackDown and Raw where I was like, I just don't think if Vince was still in power, we'd be getting as much as this. Oh, no. And specifically with Sammy, <clears throat> I just don't think that you would be getting anywhere near... I think Sammy would be involved or could be involved, but I think he would he would definitely be way more the butt of the joke and way, taken way less seriously, whereas this to me is like nuanced storytelling which is you know what we kind of dream of having absolutely and i love the pacing of it and you're right with sammy Zayn here if vince was managing this i think we would have reached the destination a lot sooner i mean i'm not sure if Zayn would have even received the match with roman reigns i think that probably just would have been a beat down and maybe he would have had a match with jay I think that would have been as far up the bloodline food chain as you would have been allowed to go. But I think there will be an enormous appetite for Zayn versus Roman Reigns at some point. I'm not sure when. And as I already said, you know, I'd rather it took place, that match took place in December, Jan, maybe even February, Kenny. Maybe, you know, maybe they'll wait until WrestleMania for Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn to face Jimmy and Jay. I mean, if they pace this one properly, I think there's enough mileage in it uh, for this story to play out until then. I mean, we know, obviously, from the video that they screened on the show that Jimmy and Jay are going to break the New Day's record and become the longest reigning tag team champions. Yeah. That's obvious. So that's, and they, I think what they're on, I think on Friday, they're on day 432. And I think it's what were New Day, like 483 or something like that. It's about 50 more days that Jimmy and Jay need to hold those titles in order to break the New Day's record. So they absolutely should not rush that title match or that title win by Zayn and Owens, if indeed that is the direction of travel. I'm sure it is. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed this segment. And, and you know, just to go back to Zayn versus Roman Reigns, I mean, I'm not suggesting for a moment that Zayn should be the one to defeat Roman Reigns, but I think it could be a very memorable match between those two. And I think it would be a huge status stature enhancer for Zayn to face Roman Reigns and push him to the limit before he inevitably loses. And you know, on that, obviously mm -hmm. by that point, Zayn will have done the babyface turn. People are people are sort of reluctant right now to to boo Sammy Ali. Even though he's part of this heel faction, people want to cheer him. They already yeah. want to cheer him so much. So I think 2023, Zayn is going to be an enormous babyface. Um, 
Yeah, you know, there's new, even if the if the if if the bloodline turn on Sammy and Sammy does a match with Roman Reigns, you know, and loses, that could be the impetus for Kevin Owens to come in and sort of save his pal. Uh, there's plenty of ways they can go. So um, very exciting. Absolutely, and then after he loses to Reigns, the consolation prize is Zayn and Owens become tag team champions. Um, now elsewhere on SmackDown, we did have Liv Morgan defeating Lacey Evans in a match, and then post match she sort of battered uh, Evans. She uh, ended up do, uh, putting putting her on, on a table, climbing up to the top rope and then doing a big, uh, you know, dive through the table onto uh, Evans, I guess, to kind of make us think that she's extreme enough for Ronda Rousey. Um, did they do the job here at convincing you that Liv Morgan is extreme enough? No, not really, but... I mean, that's the story they're telling, that Liv Morgan's a nice person, but she doesn't have that killer instinct. And after she smashed Evans through the table at ringside, she actually leapt off the ring post, and it was they had the camera perfectly positioned for the spot, didn't they? So that it looked like yeah. it looked like uh, Liv Morgan was, you know, leaping from like twenty feet in the air onto Evans, who was lying on the table, and afterwards. Um, Morgan said to Evans that she did have that killer instinct. And prior to this, of course, she'd struck her with a Kendall stick and slammed her into the crowd barrier. I mean, the match actually was pretty good. I mean, Evans had more offense than I thought she would. Um, and it wasn't a bad match at all. I actually thought this could have been Evans's best match on the main roster, which isn't saying a lot, I know. But I thought it was a perfectly satisfactory match. And most of Evans's matches... You know, prior to her leaving, when was it? She left last year, wasn't it? It was the Charlotte Flair feud last year, and then she yes, she left. Was it March? Was it March, April time last year? I think it was. It was definitely early twenty twenty one for sure. Yes. Um. So I think I think Evans did a job well here, but I'm just I just don't feel like Morgan is that person or that wrestler that she would like to be, or and that she would like to convince us she is. Um, I mean, as I, I laid out, you know, the plan last week on the podcast for what should happen in the Morgan versus Ronda Rousey match, that needs to be a turning point for Liv Morgan in terms of how we view her as a, you know, as a fighter and as a, you know, tough wrestler. So at the moment, she doesn't really feel like somebody, you know, she doesn't feel like somebody who could really lay a beating on somebody. She sort of seems too nice for this role and for the championship. And she didn't feel like she could be a threat to Ronda Rousey, even though she has pinned her. But of course, those those wins were flukes, weren't they? I mean, no one really believes that Liv beat Ronda Rousey one-on-one in yeah. a you know fair one-on-one match. It was like fluke wins that she scored. So I think Morgan needs to really bring it in that match. I think she needs to take a lot of a real beating from uh, Ronda Rousey, as bad as that sounds. She needs to have that never say die attitude, show a lot of heart, a lot of courage, come across as a real valiant baby face who refuses to quit. And hopefully at the end of the match, Kenny, it doesn't matter if she loses, and I hope she does actually, because I think her reign, as I said last week, I just feel like reign number two could be successful, but I don't think this reign is doing her any favours. So I think she actually needs to drop the title for the good of her long-term career. So I want to see her lose the belt to Ronda, but she needs to show a lot of heart in the process. And I think afterwards, maybe we'll view her differently. Uh, elsewhere on SmackDown, SmackDown actually did a monster rating of two, over 2.5 million. Yes. And the peak of that rating, it's not a, it's not a 
a coincidence, was at 9.23pm when there had been the tease of the White Rabbit and what that was going to be that took place. And that was kind of during the Braun Strowman and Otis match. So, you know, I guess you could spin it that Braun Strowman's a big ratings drop in if you wanted to go down that that, that mindset. But um, yeah, I mean, it's an amazing number for SmackDown. It does show that I think people are expecting this to be Bray Wyatt, this White Rabbit. And you know that that many people tuning in is is got to be a good sign that uh, that this is definitely that you know bringing him back is a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see about uh, about Bray Wyatt. I mean, I'm in two minds. On one hand, I would like to see him return because I just feel like there's a lot more he can do in the company and as a character. He was obviously groundbreaking and very entertaining and did things that no one had done before, certainly in WWE. But the flip side to that was when The Fiend or Wyatt, I mean, Wyatt obviously did have a few matches. I think actually maybe there was only the one with The Miz, wasn't there? Was that one match he had as Bray Wyatt against The Miz? Yeah, yeah, when he was when he was Firefly Bray. Yes. But the matches were... I think counterproductive and I just don't think anyone, in fact, people were less over um, after they'd wrestled Bray than they were before they'd wrestled Bray. So, I mean, or The Fiend. And I just think the character needs to come back and needs to be a lot different. He can't be this supernatural, indestructible, you know, Undertaker type force. You know, it needs to evolve and it needs to be different to how it was in its first run. Otherwise, every person who wrestles The Fiend is going to be not ruined, but at least, you know, at best tarnished by an in-ring feud with him. So we'll see. I mean, yeah, it's it's. I think it can work. I mean, I really think he can succeed in WWE, and I think people would be, you know, delighted to see the Firefly Funhouse return but I think the character needs to change and they need to find a way of making it be productive. You know what I mean? It can't come back and be the same as it was. I mean, the yeah, match, yeah, sure. you know, the match with Randy Orton at last year's WrestleMania, it's like, what the hell is this? I mean, what a flop that was, wasn't it? I mean, there, there was a lot. I mean, I don't want to blame everything on Vince McMahon, but I mean, there, there, there was a lot of stories that were out there that, you know, Vince McMahon... Would we, you know, we know he didn't follow through on storylines. You know, we, we know he would, you know, just, you know, take stories that were really It was erratic. He would lose interest. Yeah. And I think with, with, with stuff like The Fiend and, and even The Firefly, uh, Bray Wyatt, or all the versions of Bray Wyatt needed a lot of care and attention and planning. And they didn't really do that. So I feel like hopefully under Triple H, I mean, and he's aware of that. He's going to be, because also Wyatt's not going to be coming back unless they're paying him a lot of money. We know that because he's not with anywhere else, because nobody would touch him for the amount of money that he wants. So, if WWE are willing to give him the money, and then they're seeing that you know there is the interest in him by these, uh, by by this viewership, then they've they've got a, a good building base to to kind of start with. But yeah, the matches have to change. It can't be the same fiend as before because there's just no those matches just didn't work. They didn't. There was no benefit to his matches. And it, it would just built up so much. And you think, oh, maybe this time it'll be really good. And it never was. I mean, I guess I guess the Roman Reigns uh, Fiend versus Strowman match was the only one that really did anything for anyone else. I mean, that one did obviously get Reigns over. But all the other matches, 
just, I mean, even the, the match in which Goldberg crushed him didn't really do a whole lot for Goldberg, did it? I mean, you didn't really think more of Goldberg after that win than you did before the match, even, you know, with a stunning crushing victory. Mm-hmm. It just felt like another fiend flop, didn't it? It does, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it pans out. The only other thing I want to mention from SmackDown was the the main event match was the Usos against the Brawling Brutes because obviously the Brawling Brutes had won last week, and then Imperium ended up running down um, at the big schmoz, and the Usos obviously get the win in the end and retain their titles. And again, the the, the tag titles being in the main event is a, is a good sign that we're we're kind of treating it as a an important thing. So I think it was a solid a solid main event and just a kind of good a good base for them to kind of teach the audience that tag team wrestling is not as much of an afterthought as it used to be in WWE. No, definitely not. And um, they'd announced before this that Sheamus and Gunter will have their rematch in two weeks or a week on Friday in uh, Worcester, I think they said it was, Worcester, Massachusetts. The, The season premiere of SmackDown. Yes, so that'll be the day before Extreme Rules, won't it? Yeah. So the 7th, 7th of October, that'll be, won't it? Yeah. So, I mean, it did seem fairly obvious after that announcement that there would be an, an appearance by Imperium at ringside during the Butch and Ridge Holland versus Jimmy and Jim match. And sure enough, they came out and um, the distraction, uh, well, they attacked Sheamus in the aisle and then Butch and Holland left the ring, you know, to come to Sheamus's aid. And at that point... They were effectively ambushed at ringside by Jimmy and Jay, and then Jay pinned Butch after the 1D. Um, yeah, I thought I thought it was a really good main event. I was really pleased for Holland. I mean, this had to be his, obviously his best match on the main roster, and um, I don't think he really got too lost there. I think he did contribute a lot to it. I mean, usually, you know, he's usually the worst thing in the match, and, you know, Ridge, you know, the whole thing with with Biggie, I'm sure he feels terrible about that. And, you know, obviously that's been catastrophic for Big E. It's probably ended his career, you know, and should never have happened. But as far as Holland went, I mean, that must have, like, destroyed his confidence as a performer because he's injured an opponent, which is the absolute last thing you want to do as a wrestler. So, I mean, I think this match for him would have been a confidence booster. Yeah. Because it was a really good match, and there was so many moving parts that I think did uh, come together and uh, mesh very well. I think that there was quite a lot of quite complicated parts to this, and I thought the timing of it was very well done. I thought everyone did what they were supposed to do. I think it furthered a lot of stories, um, and I think it really protected uh, Butch and Holland as well, even though they were beaten. It was a very competitive match. And in that regard, you know, to me, Jimmy and Jay, best team in the business right now. When they're in with opponents, they usually win, but their opponents are always enhanced in defeat. And that is the sign of obviously a very well laid out and executed matchup, but also a terrific heel team, which should always enhance the babyface team, even when they defeat them. Uh, well, listen, before we talk about Raw, I do want to give a quick mention to a, a rarity where AEW had an eventful episode of Rampage on Friday. I thought the Grand Slam episode was really fun. I just want to give a quick shout out to the great Muta and Sting portion of the show during the tag match with Sting and Darby Allen against House of Black. 
it was great to see Muta and I mean who would have thought we would see them in a in a, a, a an arena full in America in 2022 like it's wild um but I did want to ask you Finn just when I was thinking about it quickly uh Andrew Ice Clear I can't I I Andrew I Dice Clear I think we both follow on Twitter he had a good question I thought it was worth pondering quickly Sting seems to be someone who whatever he's went he's just kind of made it work you know whether it was in in TNA even in Impact he became Joker Sting when he kind of just was wacky um and then all his runs in WCW. Do you think if he'd went to WWF or WWE at any point, not in 2015 or 2014, but if he'd went in like 2002, 2005, 2007, do you think he would have still been able to get over and make it work in spite of WWE's booking? Um, I mean... I mean, possibly. I mean, he didn't go because he didn't trust them. That's mm-hmm. he's on record saying that that was the reason why he was hesitant to join WWE and that of course and Dixie Carter paying him the big money you know <laughs> to work just a few days a month so I mean that was a good incentive for him to constantly or uh, uh, re-sign with the uh, TNA stroke you know no it was TNA about then when he was working for the company um, I mean possibly I mean there were a lot of flat times in Sting's career I mean there was a lot of times in TNA where he just felt like he was irrelevant and yeah, I think he hung around too long. And even though he was only there like on a part-time basis and he would disappear and he would come back, there were certainly times when he wasn't as effective as other times. Um, And the same applies to WCW as well. Um, I mean, he seemed like a spare part in 94 after Hogan came in. It was like, it was if there was just nothing for him to do really. Um, So there was a lot of sort of down times in his career also. So I'm not sure about that. I mean, many times I think Sting deserves the blame for some, you know, for his, in, I think a lot of times he's quite indifferent. I think he lost interest in pro wrestling at many times in his life. Um, so you, you can't, you know, the temptation is to blame it on the company. And I think with Sting, I think he needs to carry the responsibility for some of those mediocre performances as well, or mediocre. You can say, well, it's not his fault that he was, you know, he was booked in a mediocre fashion, but many times he would do promos and he just felt like he was phoning it in and he just heart wasn't in it. And that happened many times in his career. Because I mean, he had some really good matches with people over the years, but he also had some really average matches as well. And that was part of the problem with Sting. He didn't have that consistency. And he, you've got to remember, he became WCW and stroke and NWA champion for the first time at the Great American Bash 1990. And there was high hopes for him, Kenny, as champ. He was this big baby face. You know, they told a really good story with him. He'd injured his knee earlier that year. He was thrown out of the horseman. Then he returned at the bash to face uh, Ric Flair, who was his favorite opponent. You know, Flair was still over and he still... He still had it in 1990. He could still do a match, still really put a big-time match together. So it was a good story. The crowd was really behind him. Um, He won very convincingly. Um, And he just felt like his reign was a bit of a flop, really. I know someone's going to say right now, well, what about the Black Scorpion? And yeah, that was a factor in it. But I think also Sting, when he became champ, he didn't really grow into the role and become the champion that they thought he was going to be. And that happened many times in his career, almost on a cyclical basis, 
where Sting would get really excited about something and he'd have a really good program, say with Vader in like 92, 93, they had amazing series of matches. Mm. There's some really good matches with Cactus Jack, particularly the Beach Blast match in 92. And, you know, there was other matches uh, that he had that were really good. And then he'd, he'd been a feud with somebody else and it would just be like, Ugh. you know, I was expecting more from that. So maybe, I don't know. I think he also had a lot of things working against him in WWE, had he joined. I mean, we saw that, didn't we? The match with Triple H at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And like the commentary just, you know, this is WWE versus WCW. And it just shows that we were better all along. And it's like that ended 14 years ago, JBL. You know, <laughs> and obviously he'd been told to say that. Or maybe he had, maybe he took it upon himself to say that. Because well, he, he, probably knew, he probably knew who would love to hear it. Exactly. So maybe he took it upon himself to say that because he knew that, you know, he, he, that'd get over great with the boss. And that's probably why he said it, if he wasn't told to say it. And so, I mean, I don't know. That's a tough, t- very difficult one to answer. And An I interesting, thing to, interesting thing to ponder, to think about, if he would... It is. It, it absolutely is. I mean, I, I genuinely believe that if Sting had come in and he'd had that feud with The Undertaker in the 2000s, I think it would have been a disappointment. Because I just don't think that match would have worked that well. And Sting, to me, was somebody who always worked better as a babyface than he did as a heel. And obviously, The Undertaker would have been the babyface had Sting come in to wrestle him. And yeah, they could have, Sting could have done the turn at the end. And maybe that would, but that probably would have been more memorable than the match. <laughs> now, I'm not convinced that that match would have really been as good as, as, it, as, as people imagined it would have been. So I'm actually, in a way, pleased that it didn't happen because I think it would have been... I just think it would have been a big, fat disappointment. Um, well, and the other yeah. thing is is that if that feud had happened, it would have been very one-sided to The Undertaker. But, exactly. Um, yeah, I, but my, my long-winded point I think I'm getting to is I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see Sting in 2022 looking like he's having fun in his early 60s, kind of defying age in a way. Like, he's just doing so well for himself. So, Because, um, yeah, he was, he, was, he was one of the nicest guys I ever worked with. Uh, when I did a tour with him, he actually sent me a couple of like Merry Christmas text messages. Oh, that's nice. Which is very nice. So very nice guy. I'm very happy for his continued success. Um, let's d- dive into Raw before we go, Finn. Raw was another kind of solid episode. Um, maybe it wasn't the most exciting episode in the world, but it was solid. Lots of stuff happening. We had Bianca Belair and uh, Bailey setting up the ladder match for Extreme Rules. At uh, th- That's the match they're going to have. Um and we had uh, Bianca defeating uh, EO Sky on the show. What do you think about the ladder match stipulation? Are you happy that's the that's the match they're going with, or would you prefer something else? Yeah, I think that's I think that's a good match for these two because I think Bailey's going to win, and they can protect Bianca on the finish. So mm-hmm. that means that she won't have to take a second pinfall loss uh, to Bailey. So I think it's the perfect outcome. Um, we can have obviously Dakota and EO Sky, they can be at ringside, they can be involved in the finish. Maybe Alexa and Asuka will be there. Maybe Becky Lynch will be involved. Maybe she'll return or possibly on Raw the next night. Maybe you know, it feels like it's time for Becky Lynch to return, I would say. Um, but uh, yeah, it's going to protect Bel Air on, on the finish when Bailey wins. Bailey to win that one, surely. What do you think, Kenny? Yeah, I think I think it's Bailey's time. I think if Bianca wins, I don't think that she 
I, I, there, there's not many opponents for her to go up against if she loses against if she wins against. I think if she loses, you get the return programs. I think there's more interesting possibilities coming out of that. So yeah, um, I thought Bella, I thought Bella versus Io Sky was was a good match. There was a little bit hesitancy there. Compared overall, to Bailey versus Alexa Bliss last week, Finn, it was a masterclass. Yeah, yeah, it was a good slow building match, you know, with a good flow and uh, Bel Air won with the KOD. Um, yeah, I thought Eo Sky had a really good night actually, and um, I thought these worked together. These two worked together pretty well. So, and there wasn't a huge amount of interest in the match at the beginning. But the match was good enough that it drew the audience in. So, um, you know, well done to uh, to uh, both Belair and Sky for their performance last night. I also thought the, ta- the tag match last night with uh, Kevin Owens and Johnny Gargano against Alpha Academy was really good fun. Uh, we had Austin Theory out there kind of trying to get involved. Um, I thought it was really good. Owens and Gargano gets the win. Gargano is being kept strong. And Alpha Academy, even though they might not be winning the matches... They are, you know, they were on SmackDown, they're on Raw, they're involved in different things. And, you know, we saw the the promo afterwards where Austin Theory spoke to Gable and noticed, you know, why didn't you win? And uh, uh, Theory was trying to convince Gable to challenge Braun Strowman and then Theory's phone goes and it's for Gable. He says he's going to kill him next week in his hometown so he doesn't need to fly the body home for the funeral. Gable just looks like he's seen a ghost. Um, I mean, it's just all really good, solid stuff. That's that's you know, we don't have to watch Raw anymore with the feeling of dread about what they're going to do to the mid card performers, and that's kind of a nice place to be. Yeah, there isn't. I mean, there was that time I can't remember when it was a few years ago where Hour Three, you know, it was like we just weren't bothered about Hour Three, and there was this theory at the time that. They 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 were only interested in scoring a, a good number for hours one and two and just weren't bothered about hour three. It's like it wasn't important to them. And you just thought, well, this is an ideal opportunity to get some new people over and to entertain the audience and to just make this show tolerable. And there were mo that it wasn't all off every week, but it was often enough that it, you're right, it got you down. And hour three of raw just was such a drag. And it just felt like you got to 10 p.m. And then there was nothing of interest until about quarter to 11 when the main event came out. And it was just filler. And it just feels like Raw at the moment just doesn't slow down. It's um, it's just entertaining from start to finish, which is the way it should be. And yeah, I really enjoyed the Alpha Academy versus Owens and Gargano match. I thought the Academy might score the win here, um, especially... Um, when Austin Theory turned up at ringside. I really enjoyed seeing the Alpha Academy do the old Steiner's bulldog off the shoulder spot Mm -hmm. uh, on Gargano. That would have been the finish had Kevin Owens not made the save for Gargano. Um, Owens uh, and Otis fought outside the ring. Uh, Kev smashed Otis through the announce table with an elbow. That always, I mean, that's always an impressive spot because there's a big crash and, you know, it looks really devastating, but you know that table's designed to really cushion the fall of the recipient of the um, of whatever moves being, you know, in this case, the elbow recipient of the of the elbow, and also the person who um, actually delivers the elbow. In this case, Kevin Owens. Um, so I mean, it's almost like a you know crash mat, so it's really protecting protecting them on the on the bump. And um, when Austin Theory arrived, I was thinking maybe Gargano, maybe this is his first week when he does the job. And instead, um, Theory's uh, interference backfired. 
and Gargano scored a very popular pin on Gable. So, I mean, the Academy, I think, is such a riot that can take these losses. Although I hope this, I mean, you would think that Gable's going to lose next week to Braun Strowman. Although that might be a tricky one for Braun Strowman. Because as you said, Kenny, the match is taking place in St. Paul, Minnesota, Gable's hometown. Gable is such a barrel of laughs that he's probably going to be cheered in his hometown. So if Strowman destroys him, Strowman may, he may be booed, Kenny. Yeah, I mean, I think I think he might be. But, um, you know, it's, it should still be good fun to, to, yeah, to watch it. absolutely. You know, backstage afterwards and... Chad Gable was an artist. We're talking to Theory and thought, What happened? You lost again. And then before, after Gable insulted Strowman in the promo, Theory received the phone call, put it on loudspeaker, and it was Strowman. And he said, Yeah, I'm going to face you next week and I'm going to do you in in your hometown so they don't have to send the body back. And Gable was distraught. His, uh, his world. Had, uh, was collapsing around him. So he does not look like he's savouring that match with Strowman next week. But I'm, I'll be, I'm curious to see, yeah, what the reaction to Gable and Strowman is on next week's Raw. I mean, that could be problematic for Strowman. Um, well, listen, there's loads, loads of other stuff in the show, but let's just talk about the, the kind of few big things left. Candice LeRae makes her return to WWE as a opponent for Nikki A.S.H. Apparently on the run sheet at the building... Dewdrop was listed as the opponent, so they obviously kept it to try and keep it a secret. Candice LeRae came out and she had a good showing in this kind of one minute, 45 second match, got a decisive win over Nikki. So, I mean, she's a good addition for that women's division. So it's a, a good name to have. And uh, yeah, hopefully she gets a good, a good fair shake on this one. Yeah, she's somebody who I think... Um... Could be a, could be um, a really effective challenger to Bailey when Bailey becomes champion. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the the sound of that match. I thought she moved really well. This was her first match in a very long time, be over eighteen months, maybe. Yeah, definitely since since uh, pregnancy. So yeah, it must be around around that time. Yeah. So um, I mean, I thought she was um, you know she was smooth, fast moving match. You know, it was unrelenting. I thought everything she did was crisp and sharp and believable. I mean, I know it was a short, only a short match, but she actually, she actually looked better than ever here. Um, we'll see how she looks in a longer match. Uh, she used the swinging neck breaker off the middle rope for the pin. Um, and there was a decent response to her. I think some people in the arena didn't know who she was. But by the end, I think most people... Um, who weren't aware who she was had taken a liking to her because I thought it was, it was a really good uh, debut for her on Raw. So, um, yeah, so she's there now as well. So, um, yeah, really good addition. I don't think she's somebody who really can be Raw Women's Champ, but she could become Tag Champ. And as I said, she's somebody who's certainly uh, good enough and experienced enough to be a uh, believable challenger to the uh, Raw Women's title. Um, also on the show, we had uh, Sami Zayn and Solo Sokoa making the, the the jump over to take care of AJ Styles, which obviously with uh, with help from Sokoa, that is what Sami was able to do, was able to defeat AJ Styles. But the the big the, the, the thread throughout the whole show was the Judgment Day. They were involved in a lot of stuff, and one of the things they were involved in was coming out to see AJ when he was down after his loss and trying to get him to join the Judgment Day. And instead, AJ flips them off and says, "No." Did you see? I happened to see the 
the facial expression of Damien Priestman when uh, he was selling the fact from from the 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 happiness that he thought AJ was going to join to the you know shock of the middle finger being flipped. How dare he? How dare he rebuff? You know, snub us in that manner. And he wasn't a happy camper, was he, Kenny? No, 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 not at all. But um, I mean, this was this was really good. The, the Judgment Day are another act we go. There's no way if Vince McMahon was in charge, they would be getting as much TV time as they are, getting to develop as much as they are, and they're becoming a really good act. Like they're becoming, you know, Finn Balor's not not the best promo in the world, but being in this group makes him feel like a bigger star than he has in ages. You know, on the main like on the main roster. I mean, I know he's felt like a big star in NXT before, but on the main roster, um, and then obviously elsewhere in the show, we had uh, the match with Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio, uh, where Dominic was sitting at ringside, and you know, Dominic's at one point, you know, hand throw, slides the chair to Rey Mysterio and sort of dares him to hit him, and Rhea gets him from behind, and that allows Seth to get the win. So, I mean, yeah, the Judgment Day were just all over this show, and I think it's a uh, I think they've done a good job of getting them into being a, a sort of faction to be reckoned with. That's not yeah, de- yeah, definitely. I mean, you think, well, it could possibly, will it be them in war games at Survivor Series? I mean, it probably won't be. It'll probably be the bloodline, but you never know. It mm-hmm. might be. Yeah. And yeah, they had a really good night last night, uh, the Judgment Day on Raw. I mean, um, yeah, Dominic in the uh, Rollins versus Rey Mysterio match, Dominic was at ringside and he invited uh, Ray or... He, you know, urge Ray to strike him or dead Ray to strike him with a chair. And Ray was hesitant to do so. And then Rhea Ripley uh, arrived and shoved, um, he shoved, she shoved Ray into the ring post. He was thrown back into the ring. Rollins hit the stomp and then applied the Peruvian necktie for the win by stoppage. Obviously not a tap out because Ray Mysterio is, a sufficient star, so he's, he's a big enough star that he does not tap out. He has to pass out, not tap out. That's the way it works. If you're a baby face and you tap out, it means you're not a big star. If you're a baby face and you pass out, you're a big star. But I mean, yeah, I thought that furthered the storyline there, you know, between Rollins and Ray and certainly Ray and Dominic and the Judgment Day generally. So I thought that was well done. Um, and as you said, there was a confrontation backstage between Finn Balor and AJ Styles, in which Balor once again extended the invitation to Styles. You know, you can join the Judgment Day. You know, we can look after you. We can help you out. Um, Balor, when in, in the match between Sami Zayn and AJ Styles, Balor said to Styles, you know, we can, we'll have your backs at ringside. You know, we'll have your back at ringside. You know, we can come out and we can support you because Solo Sokoa will be with Sami Zayn. And Styles rejected that offer. And then um, Solo Sokoa got involved just before the finish of Zayn versus AJ Styles, uh, when the referee's back was turned, laid Styles out with Uranagi on the ring apron, and then Zayn scored the pin. Uh, Zayn and Sokoa went backstage. And at that point, the Judgment Day walked to the ring, and Balor said, listen, if we'd been out here, if, we, if you had accepted our offer of assistance, this match would have ended very different, very differently, AJ. And at that point, they offered him, um, extended the invitation to him to join the Judgment Day again. AJ Styles gave Finn Balor the finger. Finn Balor and the Judgment Day beat down Styles. They wrapped a chair around his head and Balor was going to stomp the chair 
but then stopped and said, you know, that's not what friends do to each other. So it seems, you know, they're still trying to woo AJ Styles into the judgment day by stopping short on stomping the chair around AJ's head. So, and then we had Damien Priest in the main event, didn't we, against Matt Riddle, Kenny? Yeah, so and 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 that was you know that was just another I have I haven't priest in Riddle in the main event. You were kind of complete completing the trilogy of their involvement from uh, earlier with Ray, then with AJ Styles, and now the main event. Um, and yeah, the the Riddle and Priest match was pretty solid. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. But the big story, of course, was uh, Priest got like Priest looked like he had it under control, and then Matt Riddle. I mean, it was a it was an awkward finishing sequence. I will say that because. It's like Matt Riddle sort of tries to like dive onto Damien Priest, who I think is supposed to catch him, but he's not quite catching him. And then he eventually catches him. And then Riddle counters it. But the way that Riddle counters it, it just, it just looked a bit odd. It looked there was like a slight miscommunication. But the, the point was Matt Riddle gets the, the inside cradle three count, then the Judgment Day all attack Matt Riddle, and then Edge makes what feels like his 10th return in this year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to come and get the Judgment Day and he gets the mic and he says you try and finish me over and over again but I always come back um, so he challenges Finn Balor to an I quit match Extreme Rules so well prior to that he said I do not quit and that was the setup for the challenge to Finn Balor for an I quit match at Extreme Rules this is I believe they're gonna this is gonna be their first one-on-one match I believe Yes, yes, yeah. I, th- I think I I can't think of a time where they've wrestled. Yeah, this this has to be the first time. So yeah, uh, yeah. obviously uh, they were in there. They wrestled in the Clash of the Castle, but that was a tag match. Yeah, they've definitely not had a singles match because Edge doesn't really wrestle much on Raw. So we would know if it happened there, and they're definitely not a pay per view match. Yeah, but I mean, Extreme Rules is shaping up to be. Uh, I would say, you know, I'm not saying show of the year, but I mean, there's some. There's some uh, there's some tempting matches on there. There's some matches on there that you know nearly every match announced actually has the potential to be really good. Um, Everything's got a story to it. There's there's a yeah. reason for all the matches happening. That's it. I and mean, there's quite a few steps. I mean, we've got Riddle versus Rollins in the fight pit, which we've not seen on the main roster. We saw that in NXT, didn't we? Between Riddle versus who was Timothy, that guy? Timothy Thatcher. Timothy Thatcher, that's right. And that was Riddle's last match in NXT. I know he has returned since, but that was his last match before he went to the main roster and Thatcher won that match. Um, We've obviously got the ladder match, uh, the announcement of an I quit match between Bala and Edge. Um, We've got the extreme rules between Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey. Yes. Extreme rules. So, um, yeah, it's um, it's shaping up to be... uh, I think a pretty good kind of action. I think it should be a really good show. Um, well, yeah, that's that's pretty much raw. There was lots of stuff happening. Uh, it continues to be the case. So we're building towards extreme rules. Uh, obviously, next week will be the go-home raw. We've still got two Smackdowns to go. But we'll be back next week to cover the go-home raw and this week's Smackdown. So, um, yeah, I mean... All that's left to say for us is, you know, please check out the magazine, InsideTheRopesMagazine.com. The uh, next issue, issue 26, is out this Thursday in WH Smith. Um, yes. Have you, you must have received your copy, Kenny? I have not. Have I've you not? Received... I got mine yesterday with CM Punk on the front cover. 
Yeah, I do know. I do know quite a few people who've received it. So it's you know, my my post is just a bit iffy. So I I I fully expect to receive it probably tomorrow. Um, but yeah, if you do subscribe to the mag and said a lot of times you do receive it a little bit early. So it's a nice uh, you know uh, perk of being a subscriber. So hope you check that out. And then patreon.com forward slash inside the ropes if you want more of Finn and I. Uh, the new what else is what else is going down going up uh, later this week hopefully maybe next week and no then... no this, this week I've written about half of it so far so I'm going to be actually resuming work on it the moment we finish speaking there we go so later this week that's going to be up there we do an overrun every week we just done a, a really good overrun actually we were talking we we're at, taking listener questions on Vince McMahon's limo explosion and the original ideas if any uh, the WCW Hummer angle in summer of 99 and then we look back at the uh, first msg raw from 1997 so lots of good stuff in there i thought yeah absolutely yeah we were talking for quite a while last week and um over the weekend wasn't it we were called on on saturday yes. morning saturday morning that's right so um yeah we were gonna we, we were gonna do the yeah the look back at issue 229 of power slam but that's been put off for another week probably till this week kenny i would think yes probably having a having a trip down memory lane when it comes to issue 229 uh, on Thursday when we record next. Yeah, so that'll be up on Patreon this weekend. So, yeah, we hope that you all have a good week, whatever you're getting up to. Um, enjoy the last remnants of the sun, if you can. And we'll talk to you soon, everybody. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry shampoo, Chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.